welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am interviewing a curator of libations, bar manager, cocktail specialist, and craft cocktail extraordinaire of JBGBs. Please welcome Sean Stewart. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for... Uh you know, finally having me on and doing this thing. I finally found the right time to do this. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. You fall into a very small class of uh, people that I've met. You're, you're actually the second person in this class of people that I met. I was like, I feel like this person's going to hate me. I don't know why. It's like, I want to be their friend. I nice. noticed that they're probably cool, but I think they're going to hate me. And it turns oh, wow. out we had a cool conversation and you turned out to be yeah. a cool dude. And you didn't hate me. So good, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing that happens with bartenders, right? Like, you know, we're oddly minorly pretentious and we shouldn't be. And, uh, we just want things done particular. So yeah, no, I, I, that comment you said there, like, I completely get that. I'm a very particular person as well. And I think those two, uh, I think that was like the chocolate and the peanut butter coming together. I think that's what was Mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. So, and this is actually the second conversation I would have had with, with someone representing the fine folks at JBGB. So big shout out there. So I want to go into those vital stats. Give me those vital stats. How did you get started? What's your, what's your background and why did you choose this like as your career? Nice. Uh, so I went to an art school, right? Uh, so mainly I grew up in a family that was like in this industry and they always told me not to be a part of it. Right. So I decided to become an artist. I want to do photography and graphic design and all this fun stuff. And, um, you find out that you need to do other things to hopefully pay those bills because your art is subjective. Right. And I was doing a very niche photography situation that I just kind of fell in love with, but knew that it wasn't going to hundred percent pay the bills, but I went to school for it. So what was I, my first thought? Well, I'll just go into the restaurant industry and have a little bit of fun and make some money until maybe I can find that better graphic design job and find that thing that would be a little bit more fun. And, um, now over 15 years later, I'm still, still doing this thing, but uh, I feel that art degree really helped me for, um, actually wanting to be more a part of this and get more involved in a lot of other stuff. Cause you know, you can find art in anything. So I just really wanted to make like super pretty cocktails and, and do a lot of that fun stuff. So when I first became a bartender, it was because of the house of blues in Atlantic city. Uh, mm-hmm. I got there, the person who was kind of like teaching me the ropes on a sold out show in the middle of, uh, a concert that I had no idea how to like make more than maybe a Jack and Coke, but I didn't know how much went into it. He just said, uh, make things a color, make it pretty. No one's going to know. <laughs> and I was like, dope. I have an art degree. I could do this. Hey, uh, can I get a blue Hawaiian? I guess that's blue and it's probably got pineapple. So we just kind of like rolled with this and I just rolled with this, uh, for a few, uh, years into this. And then yeah. I just started wanting to make more things and, you know, as people were teaching me how to do this, they just kind of asked me what kind of bartender I wanted to be. And I just kind of want to know why I'm doing the things. So yeah. I end up researching and doing a lot of fun stuff and reading a lot of books and going to any class that I could go to, like that's tasting or anything like that until I kind of fell into then running a bar. Yeah. Um, the first bar I ran, uh, was actually in the city, uh, bar licorice out in Fed Hill, Locust Point, Riverside area. Um, Jeff Cahill took me on to there. I just came on as, you know, to be a bartender. And then um, I needed a bar manager before we opened. So I ended up learning how to price things and put stuff together. And all I wanted to do was just make things that look pretty. And hopefully people are going to like them. Right. And uh, we got nominated and won best new bar in uh, Baltimore. At the same time, like bookmakers was opening. So wow. I'll take that. Wow. So apparently I was doing something okay. You know, people were digging what we were doing. We we're doing a lot of things on the fly. I got to meet some really cool people in the city and then just started like seeing what my next step would be. Right. Like yeah. what is, what is my ceiling? And that's how I met Nancy and Jerry from uh confident company to help open up that place there, which was awesome. I, I love those guys. They're, they're fantastic. And that place is huge. And I decided to make two separate bar programs. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but but it really tried to like push myself and I took myself out of my comfort zone and yeah. finally figured out that I should do cocktails for the environment that I'm in and not just making things that are cool. So really learning how to make things that are like pair well with food, you know, yeah. be that person who's going to really start thinking more on that. Cause 
I think you were talking about like, what's well, like a big pet peeve that you have behind the bar. And my biggest thing is always that you have amazing food and amazing cocktails and sometimes they don't work together. Mm-hmm. So I really try to like, like focus into that. And with me living a plant-based lifestyle, so me being vegan, I can't really try the food that my chef makes. So I have to really work on flavor profiles and doing that. And that's where I started doing more and more research and doing a lot of things like that and trying to get outside the box and trying to out of comfort zones and like start thinking like, how do I make a bacon fat wash cocktail without bacon? You know, how do you, how do we do that kind of stuff and make my, my moral side, yeah. <laughs> um, make me a little bit happier and start researching on that. And then that's when I started meeting, um, the people from Atlas to kind of like start up the Elkman program, which was super dope. Yeah. I got to play around with a lot of tools, uh, a lot of toys. Um, that's where I was like able to do a lot more competitions where I got to be one of the finalists for Glenn Fiddick experimental bartender of the year. And then kind of burned myself out a little bit and went to DC for a tiny bit, uh, helped uh, put together the program for Gravitas down there with, uh, our executive chef, Matt Baker, who now has a Michelin star and is I'm super pumped for that guy and really wish I stayed there. But then I got kind of cherry picked to go out to Nashville to go work on a few programs, hung out there. And then this situation happened, right? Like yeah. world shuts down. What do you do? Yeah, help run a program here in Baltimore. that's doing to go and delivery cocktails. So really helped out um, with uh, Anthony over at Mr. Nice guy really helped yeah. kind of develop that program. And then uh, moved out here because it was just getting too busy from running it from my couch. <laughs> and uh, so it just made more sense. And, and my partner, she's from New Jersey and she really wanted to be closer to her family. So it was cooler to come back here. She already had friends here because we were living here together before, before we moved to Nashville. So she already had friends here. She had a, a basis that she could move here and kind of like get back in. Sure. So moved back here, was running Mr. Nice Guy. And then I met fantastic people at JBGB's and started talking to them. And now I'm the, the vegan bar manager running a bar at a butcher shop and uh making it work fantastic i think so it's cool shout out to the degree of difficulty there i like that <laughs> um you we will learn probably in this conversation that um, i'm gonna push myself until i can't so i'm really going to try to like take myself out of my comfort zone because i think that's where i'm going to start developing a little bit more and having to i mean i can make like just super simple cocktails and make them awesome and just continue going on that it's going to be great but if i'm not trying to push myself where's the development of myself going right yeah so as me as an artist i guess we could say that right because yeah. that's what i'm doing every day is producing art in the glass i just constantly want to keep like pushing myself because once i start getting stagnant and just doing the same thing over and over and over again the joy of what you're doing kind of like fades so let's get weird let's get crazy let's involve the rest of your staff into developing a menu and getting them super excited to do things. And then, you know, put a menu together and then don't want to make anything on there anymore. So you just start doing things off the menu. <laughs> getting weird that way. No. And, that, and that's the thing. Like I, I def, definitely echoing that sentiment of you're doing something that's creative and then you, you don't want to get, you don't want it to become stagnant. You don't want to feel like, all right, I can do this. How can I make this more challenging? How do I make this harder? How can I, still staying with maybe the reasons why you love it, the reasons why you want to do it, but having that reason why you come back and that reason why you're like, you know what? I can do this in this way. I can do this better. So in doing this particular podcast, you start having 200, 300 conversations. You're like, all right, I can only ask people how so much about their process and so on. How can I make this weird? Like, yo, what's your favorite cuss word? Like, uh, shit. Yeah. I love shit. I love shit. Uh, you You know, how can you, how can you, add to what the crux of the the conversation is supposed to be but how can you add an extra value to it? how can you add something to it if it's maybe for a specific audience but also for yourself you know how can you make mm-hmm. it interesting for yourself so with that it brings me to this this next question um because you you were talking about being able to do the simple ones and but then kind of getting to those 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 weirder ones those more interesting ones in terms of cocktails so d- define in your opinion the, the perfect cocktail and What's the most popular cocktail right now that, that you're making at JBGB's? Cool. Uh, perfect cocktail, something that's balanced, right? Yeah. Uh, if we want to get like kind of funny, perfect cocktail is a daiquiri, right? Okay. Two, yeah. three quarter, three quarter. If you can balance that and make that cocktail perfect every single time, you're great. Like if you could do that inconsistently, 
fantastic bartender able to come back to you every single time. Like you can do that. Awesome. I don't care how you make your old fashioned. I don't care what fancy ingredients you do. Can you make something that's balanced? Yeah. Right. You know, the, like if you're making a vodka soda, how much vodka are you doing to soda? So it's not like, you know, destroying itself, you know, yeah. little things like that are, are like big deals. So that's what I really figure out. Like, I can't say like one cocktail is perfect. Right. But like if it's balanced and tastes good at the same time, it's perfect. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. I don't care if you did it with fireball and powdered sour mix. I don't care. Right. You made it taste good and it was balanced. It's going to be great. And those are the things that people should get excited for. Um, if we're talking about at the bar right now, um, we do a couple things on draft. So we have like our old fashioned Manhattans. We sell those like crazy, but it's really cool to do something on draft and have it come out balanced every single time with the right dilution and all that. That's cool. But like, those are always going to be popular. It's, yeah. it's the trend. It's still trending for the last eight years, right? That old fashions are going to be the thing that people are going to go to. So that's why we did it on draft. But if we're looking at our menu and we just kind of had our first recent menu change, like right before um, Thanksgiving, we have like three cocktails that kind of like in the day kind of rotate in. Mm-hmm. Um, one is going to be the um, Chicago Pearl that we have off of our new menu. Um, RJ, one, uh, my other bartender that I have, like we co- uh, collaborated on this whole new menu together. So it's one of his cocktails that worked out really well where we're taking um, CH distilling. So uh, distillery out of Chicago, we're taking their London dry gin with uh, Malort because it's another <laughs> Chicago spirit. Right. And we, we got to get weird and we have to try to push the envelope. So we did that and made like a play on a French pearl. So yeah. having a little bit of lime, um, we're adding a little bit of uh, Demerara sugar, uh, muddled mint, and then a little bit of uh pastis, So a little bit of Pernod in there yeah. to kind of like really push this like anise level in the back end. And it is bitter. It is aggressive and it is insanely <laughs> food friendly at the same time, which is hilarious. And people drink it because like there's a cocktail with Malort in it and they think that's hilarious because I just want to make it a thing in the city. Um, with no Chicago ties, by the way, it's just like, I just want to make Malort great because it is, and people should understand it. Um, and just, it's just fun. Uh, but it was really cool to like, see him want to develop that cocktail and put it on there. And then people yeah. are gravitating towards it, which is really cool. Um, another one is a play on a margarita that we have, uh, called Jared's crystal ball, uh, crystal. Cause, uh, uh-huh. we're using, um, to tequila Dahlia, uh, the Cristalino, which a uh, yeah. Cristalino is a Reposado tequila where they charcoal filter out the color. So it actually gives some like creaminess to the texture with, um, a little bit of, uh, ginger, uh, we have a, a spice pear liqueur that we have in there, a little bit of citrus, and then uh, pickled tomato brine from our kitchen to kind of wow. add the acid that we're looking for. So it's like this really cool, like fall into winter margarita. Yeah. And then the last one, which is like picked up in the last two weeks, which I'm super pumped for because uh-huh. this cocktail was something that I've been wanting to do for a while. And um, I actually got the right Jägermeister in there and it actually worked is the, uh, also, the name is funny too. So that I, just, I like putting ridiculously long names. Like there was a joke when I was first taking over um, bar licorice is I wanted to be like the fallout boy of cocktail names. I wanted to have like that <laughs> super yeah. quote um, yeah, in there. Yeah. So we are doing the Oaxaca flock of flame and post Malone. Uh, so, yes, that is the exact look that I want. Um, when you hear this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Oaxaca flock, I mean, great. Awesome but Oaxaca is the area where most mezcal is coming from. Right. Yeah. So we get to put a, you know, a change of words in there. Uh, so we're using Bonhead's mezcal, which is really cool. Cause it's uh, based off of a co-op out in Mexico that a bunch of families get together and produce their own mezcal blended together to make this beautiful product. Um, then I added uh, Jägermeister, uh, Cambrier, uh, watermelon liqueur, which is actually adding like some bubblegum elements to it. Uh, a little bit of citrus, a pineapple brown sugar syrup, and uh, fernet for balance. <laughs> so, um, so we were able to put uh, Jägermeister and add fernet to it and kind of make it balanced and fun and approachable. So That's I'm great. super pumped for that. Uh, I like to describe it as like herbaceous fruit stripe gum. Because like you get like this herbal bite in the beginning, yeah. you get this like bubble gum feel, and then it's gone. Like just like fruit stripe gum, like it's like two bites and it's gone. Like that's how this cocktail feels to me. Like it just kind of like dissipates in the best way. I I like one. I, the, the the last one I like a lot. Um, just purely based on a name, it just it's a 
it's a bit that I would probably have the, the, the title, and that's something I would probably say in a conversation. And my girlfriend would yeah. give me the side eye, and like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, oh, my, my partner makes fun of all of my names that I put on there. Like, uh, she's like, "Cool, what anime reference is this from?" <laughs> like, no, it's not always that, right? It's like it's not always a quote from a song. It's not always that, but a lot of times it is. But like, you get to do I, that. I like the I like the notion around the drafts, um, and and you know I think uh, my partner and I went to, went to the spot one day to get pizza, and mm-hmm. you definitely had the drafts like on tabs, like oh yeah, yeah sure. And I was coming yeah. from a um, I was coming from a, or an art talk, and so the first thing I wanted, I was like, I need one of my man's drinks, and again, I still thought you. I was like, Sean hates me, and uh, <laughs> and, and a slice of pizza, and that was like my 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 comeback joint. But lastly. Mm-hmm. I'll throw this one at you. You might find interesting. So I, um, I guess on a podcast that's out of Chicago on occasion and mm-hmm. one of their sponsors is Jepson Malort. Oh yeah. And, uh, so when I met them in person for the first time at blurred con, uh, met Mike from the, the lead, the lead guy, the host there, and they came with a bunch of bottles of Malort. So I've had it. I was like, this is not bad. Everyone else hated it. And I was like, so, this is so not bad. Like, the, the reason why, like we, we okay, it's, it's just going to go a little bit off of what we're talking about, but we just better. brought up Malort again. Right. Like the reason why that I noticed that people don't like Malort, right. People who usually do, do like super bitter things. Like they're really like into Fernet and a lot of like crazy Amaros and like they get it. They understand what's going on with it. The reason why most people don't like that it's wormwood and like a super long finish, right? Like you drink it and it just keeps going, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, that's really it. It's not the initial taste or even like the few seconds afterwards. It's like the 20 seconds afterwards is like really where a lot of people are like, I'm not used to this. I don't like this. What is going on? And then right. they have like a third and a fourth and then all of a sudden they're okay with it. But yeah. Um, and, and, and that was the thing. It was like, Oh, you're going to hate this. I was like, no, it's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. I like, uh, you know, I, yeah. I have a strong palate. It's fine. I like things. Um, so <clears throat> this next question ties into the first time I went there and, and had one of the drinks, I believe I had a scorpion death drop. So of course mm-hmm. I'm going to ask about wrestling moves and things of that nature. Yeah. So notice the drink me has wrestling references in there. Um, and if you could drink with any, if you can have a drink with any wrestler, um, living or dead, who would it be and why? And what would the drink be? That's like a super hard question, right? Because like, All right. if you're going to like, you know, so reason like real quick, while we were putting some refer- wrestling references onto there, sure. um, when I was in Nashville and I was running a uh, Mexican Latin American food hall that had like a music venue and all this, right. Cool. All the different spots had a, a like theme to it. The bar that I was taking over was like an Island Oasis bar, like serving eighties nightclub drinks, which mm. is not a bad deal. Like if you build them correctly and all that, but it made no sense in here. Right. Yeah. So then I was just like, what other part of like Latin American culture can we really like gravitate towards? Mm-hmm. And I just thought Lucha Libre was like perfect. Right. Totally. So I started to end up re- researching a lot of things with like different wrestlers and all this. And then it got me back into watching this stuff again. Right. So like, I didn't really watch it. Like I kept here and there, like, Brian Danielson is like my favorite person in the world because, you know, he's vegan and he was like the champ. And like, I paid attention a little bit, you know, I, I heard about CM Punk in the, in the mic drop and I watched it on YouTube. It was fantastic. And it was great. Right. But I really wasn't like watching really yeah. at that time. Right. I wasn't like really that person who's going on there and all that. And it was really like just before um, I moved to Nashville, I kept getting like all these like weird free tickets to different wrestling events. And I'm just like, yeah, let's just go, you know, ring of honor is like local here. Like, let's just keep going and doing this. I used to go to ECW all the time in Philly. Um, I like to say, if you see uh, Rob Van Dam give up his uh, television title, you can see my feet hanging in the background. (laughs) Um, No one believes it's me and I don't really care, but like that, that was like, that's my claim to fame, right? Like, yeah, (laughs) I I drank with the guys from ECW and I sat up really high in a bleacher that I wasn't supposed to be at. Um, but, But it was really cool to like, get into that culture and doing that. And then it ended up actually having us like build a Lucha Libre themed bar for them there, which we actually started bringing in more wrestling events into that venue, which was a really cool thing to do. So I just started like going through rabbit holes on TV and building playlists and stuff like that. So it ended up being like, a lot of these things are just really cool to like give for names for. So like, let's just bring in that nostalgia aspect and bring it in there. Right. Absolutely. So if we're going to talk about now to get off of that tangent and go back into the real question that you told me, um, like it's really hard to pick somebody, right? Like, do I pick like the person who I liked when I was growing up, like Randy Macho Man Savage, right? Like, you know, like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could reach his energy, right? As much as I could be on behind the bar, I don't know if I could like 
be there with Randy while drinking something at the same time. Right. right? But then, but then if we're looking at like right now, like who, like I like Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole's yeah. fantastic. I think he's great. Um, yeah. I may or may not have boom tattooed on my hand. Nice. As um, not really a reference, wrestling reference, but it's the placement is really for that. Um, <laughs> you know, like Brian Danielson, right? Like that CM Punk, like all these people that I was like minorly watching here and there. Right. Yeah. But I guess like, if you really want to give an answer, I want to talk to Dan Housen. That would be great actually. <laughs> but I don't even want to talk to him about wrestling. I just want to talk to him about how he built his brand, how he built this really cool thing that he is himself. Like I met him at third eye comics. He was awesome to talk to for like 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. Uh, my partner, Elisa thought I was like crazy. Like we're going to go to a comic book shop to like see this guy to wear his face paint and puts his hands up like this. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> like he's fantastic. He's just going to take my money. He, I'm not going to get cursed. We're going to be fine, but it'd be really cool to like have a conversation with that guy, right? Like a real conversation about like doing that, like just grab a bottle of Japanese whiskey, put it on the, put it on the bar top. Don't even give us ice. Like let's finish this bottle. And I want to know why you do what you do. I guess that would yeah. be like the biggest thing that I would have. Right. Absolutely. Cause like, I don't want to hear the wrestling stories that you had. I can watch those matches. Those are awesome. I don't yeah. want to know why you grappled a guy for 15 minutes. I don't know why. I don't want to know why you had the bleed in the first 22 minutes of the, the match. Yeah. I want to know why you are exactly as popular as you are right now. No. And, and I think that's a more interesting conversation. Um, mm. if, if I were to be in that same spot, I, uh, one of my good friends, uh, I go to the wrestling shows with him. Uh, I will travel. That's and that's literally the first time we met was going to the ECW arena to watch. Uh, I believe it was Nakamura's last match. It was this code thing with like uh, ROH. Mm -hmm. It was like he was final, doing some stuff with like ROH and stuff like that. It was like yeah. fi final battle or something or what have you. Yeah. And I was able to meet him. He's like, you want to take a picture? And I was like, nah, I, I like marked mm -hmm. out. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't think I do can do that. So that would probably be mine's definitely the Japanese whiskey. And just like, look, uh, so tell me what it is. Why, why is this the inspiration? Like, what about yeah. what's your, what's your Freddie Mercury song? What do you got? Give me the rundown. Uh, how did, like, how do you talk to like Nakamura and be not go like, how did you not, how did you get in that Pharrell video? <laughs> right. right. Like, how, like happy? <laughs> how did that happen? Like, yeah. that is awesome. Uh, speaking of that, at Gunther, I had a cocktail called King of Strong Style. Uh, on Fire. the outside menu. Uh, it was a lemongrass soju and a yuzu tonic. I kept it like super light and refreshing, yeah. but I just thought the name was super ironic. And uh, I, there was that. And I, I knew who he was. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know that he was like in NXT, I guess at that time, I guess something like that. But like, yeah. I remember the happy video and I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome. I need to like figure out about this guy. And <laughs> I wish I, I named still a cocktail. Had I wish I still had a yeah. hair so I could just shave it in that direction. And it's just like, this mm -hmm. is what I'm doing now. Yeah, um, I just want to like put my hands out weird and just, yeah. <laughs> just do a lot of this. Yeah. I had a live um, pod that I came out to, to his um, new Japan theme and the guys doing the AV, they were like, Nakamura. I love it. <laughs> I was like, ah, you guys get it. Yeah. Um, every once in a while. Right. Like, um, Elisa makes fun of me. Cause like, I have like a certain playlist that I listen to while like doing a lot of prep around here. And she's like, uh, what wrestling theme is this? And I'm like, it's not, it's a real song. I mean, it might have been Al Snow and ECW, nice. but I mean, it's Prodigy. It's awesome. I've I've just been rolling with like Bad Luck Fale's theme for a while, then like followed up by like Kent's theme from Street Fighter Two. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's uh, like some really dope remixes of Kent's Kent's theme from back in the is, day. This is getting playfully nerdy. Um, I mean, that's I, I, exactly what I expected it to be. I mean, <laughs> so. So tell me about the uh, bartenders guild and your experience mm -hmm. and the competitive drink making kind of like lane. Cause I've seen that. I, I've seen that you're, you're one of those high achievers. I mean, I try to do some things. I, I, I like, again, pushing myself, right? So if there's a competition, I could be a part of it. I'm going to try to do that. Or if you need my time, you know, because we're doing like an event with like festival and doing something with the cystic fibrosis foundation, I'm going to donate my time. Cause I think they're just, again, pushing myself to do something different to try to do something for a massive crowd is really cool. Sure. But, uh, the bar guild has been fantastic. Uh, it's a little bit different than like the USBG. So the United States bartenders guild, which is in a lot of different cities, uh, here we kind of like keep it internal. So, uh, Brendan Dior was the one who put that together, who owns Dutch courage. Yeah. And he just wanted to put a part of the bar community together. So there was like an outreach to people. Right. So if someone needed something had a question, you had all these people that have to talk to, right. Yeah. every month you try to meet up somehow try to get some information, see what everyone's doing, see if anyone needs like help at the 
bars or restaurants, and then get some education at the same time, right? Get a brand to come in and start talking about some things and, and do something really cool to, or do a, like a community outreach thing. Like, uh, Campari does a lot of like community stuff like that. So like we'll team up with them and I'll go out as a bar guild to go and do a bunch of stuff. So it's really cool that, um, it's a little bit more internal than like the big USBG. Yeah. Um, cause I'm, I'm a part of that too. I did that in Nashville was a part of that group, which was really cool. Cause it was a different complete scene out there than it is here. Um, but with the competitive side, I mean, I just want to be good at what I do. So I'm just going to push myself, you know, um, I always joke that I'm the heel and I'm going to, uh, push myself. I'm going to try to see how far I can go before someone tells me I'm disqualified and I have to leave. <laughs> so, um, that's really cool on the competitive side that I could do It's like, you know, how far can I push myself to do something really cool, yeah. you know? And if it's something that I'm doing that someone can get, um, excited to see, you know, like I did a, um, a vegan bacon fat cocktail for one rise up competition that we had where I smoked coconut oil, like cold smoked it for like two hours and then fat washed it into the spirit. I just wanted to have a conversation. Like a lot of times it's like, how can I push this and build a cool conversation to people? Yeah. And then at the other time, just like, cool, I'm just going to put this music on. Here's a pretzel. Um, here's my cocktail. Have fun guys. <laughs> and just like, you know, give you that experience that was a little bit different than everybody else. That's great. That's great. Like what makes you stick out? And, and that comes through with, you know, the, the drinks that I've, I've had there. Like every time that I go to JBGB's I'm, I'm having a drink. It's not like, I'm going there and only getting food and like, no part of the experience for me and anybody I bring with me, it's like, look, you're having a drink. So I hope you pick wisely. Everything is good on air, but pick wisely. Don't get beer. But then we, we really on, on this menu. And just like you said, you, you pick wisely, right? Like you've got like, which is ridiculous. And we're probably going to change it, but we have like 16 cocktails on this menu. It's, it's, a, it's lot, a lot, right? It's a lot. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, it's not Mr. Nice guy, 65 cocktails that I was doing every single day, but those were bottled and, prepped ahead of time and i'm just handing those out but like we're doing you know four on drafts and another like 13 14 to make for you it's 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 a lot but we really on the second one because it was rj and myself we wanted to put a lot of our own representation on there and just like let's get weird let's push it let's see where the neighborhood's really going to gravitate towards and then we'll know what we can do for the next menu where we can drop it down to 12 and then we can like really refine this menu into what it needs to be and we were just trying to put something out there that like has something for everybody, right? We know that nothing's going to always be perfect for everyone. Like I can't give you 14 cocktails on the menu and it's going to be perfect for every single person that walks in that door, but I can get you two. That's (laughs) awesome. You know, you know, like, oh man, I just really like vodka. Well, here's a vodka cocktail that I've been technically making as the very first cocktail I ever put onto a menu, right? Like this is the first thing I ever was like, someone was proud that I did this and put it into print. <laughs> like, you know, like that's awesome. Right. Cause, I, cause I and then, even the, even the, the, the time I, I think there was like this, this outside situation where it was like sausages and all of this stuff. And it had the mold, uh, it was maybe whiskey and like apple cider. Oh yeah. And, yeah the, the apple cider cocktail. Yeah. That yeah. Out there. And, and me yeah. and my partner just hung out and I was just like, Oh, this is going to be fire. And we just sat there and we drank that and enjoyed that. So like, again, every, version of getting the drink there regardless of it being inside after doing an art talk whether it be going there for family dinner and having some drinks or even going there for just hanging out outside it has worked so bravo to you on that thanks man uh i i don't sleep a lot so i usually keep myself up trying to figure out how to make these things great so that's awesome um i can tell elisa that i'm doing the right thing and i don't need to go to sleep and just keep doing this right um i really i'm really glad that you really (laughs) regardless of that um i'm really glad that you actually really like that that cider cocktail it was something that i didn't really want to do it was something that we were i've done before and um myself and heath that was working with me at nice guy who now works at uh dutch courage we were um taking most of his recipe for like a cider and then like some things that we, I was doing and we put it together to make this like really cool thing. And they were doing something like that over at Dutch and I, I didn't want to put that on the menu, but when we were outside and I wanted a warm cocktail, it was that or a hot gin punch. And I just really thought the cider was going to go over a little bit more than a hot gin punch, but yeah. I would have wanted the hot gin punch to show a different representation of what a warm cocktail could be. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, it's, it's like the, the whole idea, like I'm very interested in, just enjoying, whether it be mm-hmm. in, enjoying in the context of food, alcohol, that whole gamut or what have you. So having 
conversations with people who like you could tell that they're nerds in their particular area so if i'm talking to someone i like coffee if i'm talking to someone that's talking about coffee it's like oh i want to do a deep dive yeah you'll never bore me i want to learn more and you know it even goes into i'll spend a fair amount of money on alcohol because i want to have a good situation if i'm able to go out and someone's like because I remember, I'm trying to think exactly what it was, but I remember when we went to get that pizza, when me and my partner went to get that pizza, and you were just describing the the drinks. I was like, this dude's a nerd. I was like, this is great. And you, yeah. you were breaking it down. And I was just like, okay, I feel like I learned something from this conversation that I can apply to the next place that I go. And it, whether it be here or whether it be anywhere else that I can be informed as an informed consumer, that matters to me a lot. Um. So I mean, like, if, you, if, you're gonna, if you're gonna say something like that, just so I can just jump in a tiny yeah, bit. Like when you're talking about being informed as a consumer, right? Like there are so many things out there that have so many different words that we don't know what it is, right? Like you look at a you look at a cocktail menu and it's just like I have I know two words. <laughs> one's vodka and the other one's lime, and I don't really know the other ones that are in this cocktail, right? And and I get that that happens a lot. A lot of times um, with me, I get a little bit more about name recognition of spirits, so we can get brand recognition so they can see that and utilize that for social media and they get that in print and we get to get these really cool followings that way. But then sometimes we have to minorly dumb it down and it's really hard sometimes for us to do that when we're trying to put these really cool drinks out there, right? Because sometimes there'll be like 10 ingredients and then like I have to put a paragraph into there. So it's really cool that you have like myself and RJ at the bar who are just willing to just sit down with you and walk through a menu, right? You don't know what this, this, you don't know what Malort is, Awesome. We'll figure out a way to get you to understand what that is in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, what we started to do on the new menus, we gave like a couple like descriptor words for each cocktail, um, on the regular menu to kind of just like help the guest get a little bit better with it. And I don't, it was something I started doing in Nashville with, um, one of the menus that I had because like we were getting really good feedback on cocktails and they're like, man, I really wish I knew what this was. And I knew what these ingredients were because then I would have actually had more of this cocktail. It wasn't until you talked me into it that I, that I know what I was getting into. So we started speaking like really good descriptor words to kind of like understand what the cocktail is like talk about it being herbaceous fruit striped gum, right? Like something like that, that gets that person to understand what's going on. Tell them that it's going to be aggressive and bitter, you know, or it's going to be completely spirit forward and um, have hints of cherry cola in the back end. Right. So like, you might not know what any of the spirits are in there, but you can see the descriptors. And I I like to see a little bit more of that representation in um, just as a whole. Yeah. And, and as well, so like you as a consumer can go out there and like now feel comfortable about what you're talking about. It's what I was really trying to do at nice guy with these uh, cocktail classes that we were doing. Like we, I was getting on brands onto the cocktail classes to let people have recognition of what this brand is. Like you might've thought like Bacardi was just doing clear rum and wasn't doing anything really cool, but they have these really cool age products that they're doing and, and the process or like you, get to be on the call with um, Torrance from El Silencio and understand that, you know, when they're breaking down the the pina, it's solar powered. Like, you know, like these little things that like you would have never known if you never had that conversation. And that actually gets you to understand a brand a little bit better. And you go into a menu and then all of a sudden now you have that brand recognition to do that. And I like to see a little bit more representation of that. And it, it makes it, more approachable because I'm, as I'm thinking, how, how uh, were you guys doing the, the descriptor words, like maybe back in September or was it this something after? Uh, it wasn't, wasn't until this, this okay. new menu right here. So like the first menu I put it together, yeah. cause I mainly, it was my first real menu back in this city since I moved back to Nashville, like with Mr. Nice Guy, it was completely different. Like we had to describe everything and have like big paragraphs and it was less about communication and more being about this to go delivery service. So I had to have all the information in front of you. So I had to tell you all the spirit, what the flavor is going to be, all that stuff was there. Yeah. So in the first menu, I just didn't know how the city was going to like, at least that neighborhood itself be like, if I start putting descriptor words on there, do they think this is pretentious? Cause like, they don't know what I'm ta- like. I think they don't know what I'm talking yeah. Like they're talking about. Right. Like I wanted to see how they would gauge into things and noticing that like, you know, the Dijon blue with the mustard on there, they're like, wow, this is really like, tastes like mustard. And I'm like, it's, it says mustard <laughs> as one of the ingredients. But like then, by the now um, we're getting more and more people like read a descriptor for it too, where you're getting like this, like savory mustard, you know, herbaceous cocktail. It says it in there. Like they get a little thing to like understand what's going on. And I really wish I was doing that from day one, but like, I just didn't see it on any other real menu in the city. Right. 
I wasn't seeing a lot of people doing that. Like I see a lot of people doing more of the, uh, what glass that comes in and like what the garnish looks like and things like that. And that's awesome. Right. Okay. Like, that's great. Um, but I wanted to, what else was going to put us in a different spot than what everyone else is doing. And then when I saw that no one else was like in, in the hole, right. Like we're talking about as a majority was not gravitating and putting a lot of descriptor words into there. I just thought like, this is what we need to do because us at the bar are going to be able to explain everything perfectly. Like we, we know this is what we do every second. Like I have to make all these drinks. I get to taste them every day. I have to make sure they're good. We've got that. But the server who may not have been here for like a week and goes back on the floor, like just might not remember that exact word, but having that descriptor on there, that helps even them be able to describe the cocktail and put it out there. That's, that's legit. That's, that's really legit. Um, and I think in my experience in going there to a bar, like I'm, I'm going to have a cocktail and I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty adventurous in what I'll try. And I've been around people and sometimes you have a price point with a drink and then you don't want to feel like you're a jerk if you send it back because it's not what you were looking for. But having, having that descriptor word in there, it's like, oh, if you don't like something that's, how did, how do you describe it? Uh, ag aggressive and, uh, <laughs> and bitter. It's bitter and aggressive. Like, just, we just go with the mustard out there, right? Like, yeah. I don't like mustard. Okay, you order the muskrat, you didn't like that. That's cool. Like we, we understand that now, but we can start building a like a dialogue to get that. So mm -hmm. with with me, like you're talking about, like I don't want to send a cocktail back. Please send the cocktail back if you don't like it. Right? That that stigma of the the person who made it is going to be upset. Like just like the the executive chef that's going to be upset because you sent their food back. Like that's a weird stigma back from the day. Like with a lot of things, like with us, with with our executive chef Tyler and myself, like we just want people to enjoy what they have. And if they're not enjoying it, I need to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. So it's like, cool. Like if, if I'm getting a lot of people telling me that like the Bay city rollers that we have on the menu, right. Yeah. Like, which is a great name. Um, it is. it's, it's a song title. Um, it's great. Um, it's just allowed me to write Bay on a menu. So and I feel just like I have that CD. song on my playlist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Young Bay is fantastic. And, um, yeah. But anyway, we can go on a tangent on that. Uh, but like someone could tell me that the cocktail is too sweet, right? Yeah. I get one conversation about that and then I'm getting another and another and another. And we're doing a lot of like batching of spirits so we can actually build these cocktails a little bit quicker. So we're really worried about consistency going on. So if someone's telling me that it's consistently going too sweet, where like we know that it's supposed to have a little bit more of like a bitterness note to it, it allows us to be able to fix that to give you a better product. So, I mean, that feedback's awesome when we get that. Yeah. It's like going back to the lab um, and yeah. figuring it out. It's the same thing that kind of applies when in doing this. And people will say, oh, well, you know, longer episodes, shorter episodes or more photographers, whatever. Um, why'd you ask that question? And, and so on. It is all worthy instead of just, oh, I like this. That gives me nothing or um, it gives it gives me minimal. And I could say nothing. But I think when you're able to get that feedback, that feedback is invaluable. It serves as a focus group or what have you. And ultimately if the, the chief goal is to ensure that one, you have people coming back and, yes. and, and wanting to try the thing, because I think ultimately what you're selling is very similar to what I'm selling in that this is something that's going to be unique. You know, it's going to be, Oh, well, somebody can have these conversations with someone, but is it me having this conversation? Is it mm -hmm. Sean making this drink? And that that's, that's the thought process there. Yeah. And, and a lot of like the process we're doing with like the cocktails is like, there's very minimal bar crew that we have. Right. So like my, my theory on how to make this bar program work the way we want to is all the cocktails should taste exactly the same. They should shine the way they are. Yes. They're inspired by me and even RJ, you know, we're putting these together, but it shouldn't mean that I make a better base city rollers than RJ. Right. Like that is not like these should be balanced and ready to go. The re the things that I want other people to get like super excited for when they come to the bar is like having that conversation with RJ about wine, maybe because he's a little bit more wine knowledge than, than most of us here. Right. Yeah. Or talk to me about like weird isoteric spirits that I just want to get super crazy about. Right. I want to have people to get super excited to sit at the bar to do that and then have a really good drink that they know, they know it doesn't matter if they sit at the table, they're sitting outside or they're sitting at the bar. That drink is going to be, money every time absolutely so I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time that i go there i want to ask for the king of strong style which is off menu not there at all actually and i ooh, uh -huh. I, I would I, I could make something i couldn't make okay. that exact but i could get very close to that we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk i'll be i'll be around yeah. soon um yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so i want to wrap on these rapid fire questions and cool. essentially with these 
Um, it's kind of like I said what I said. You, 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 it'd be as brief as you want. Um, so I know this is going to be hard, but I'm going to start off. Who's your fa- favorite wrestler right now? Oh, right now? I mean, yeah. Adam Cole. Gotcha. I mean, uh, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's got the best song ever, right? And like, he's doing really team. cool things. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the reason why I don't watch NXT anymore and I'm watching AEW. So, uh, yeah. So you, you mentioned that you, you don't sleep. Uh, what do you do in your spare time? I, uh, unfortunately research a lot for cocktails and play <laughs> stupid amounts of games on my PS5. This is connected to the next one. Then, uh, what did you Google most recently? Uh, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm playing persona five and oh. I'm really been Googling how to get everyone to be better friends with me in that game. So I'm trying to like, cause they don't tell you exactly what you need to say, but like yeah. they give you the idea when you need to. So like I'm trying to get every persona and collect all those. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. So that is unfortunately what I Google way too much right now. Um, what emoji do you use most? Um, it's actually like the, the two hands kind of like clapping like okay. that one. Yeah. I'm usually clapping back at somebody because uh, gotta make sure that's good. What is one thing that you still have from your childhood? Ooh, from my childhood. Um, I know I have a few of like my older transformers from when I was a kid in some box in this house. Um, I don't collect them as much as I used to, but I still have them somewhere here. There, there might be a podcast that I was on. We were talking about Transformers 1986, the movie. You might want to check oh, nice. it out. Um, I have a uh, Starscream tattoo. Oh, yeah. Pose like Betty Page because I really wanted a pinup girl, but I didn't nice. really want a pinup girl. So that's what we got going on there. Big fan. Big fan. The, the, the yeah. podcast is as long as the movie. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> Me and my partner got so deep just... in the woods. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. That's good. It, it's worth a listen. Uh, yeah. Favorite wrestling state boy can be of all time. It can be current. Who of all time. Um, so growing up, my dad was a big Dusty Rhodes fan. So okay. I'm going to say the four horsemen because nice. I liked Ric Flair because yeah. he was the bad guy. And yeah. my dad thought Dusty Rhodes was great. So, and you're currently wearing a villain hat, villain enterprises, Marty. Scrolls. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 Little, little something. Uh, <laughs> got this made by myself actually. So nice. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have my brand on right now. Uh, yeah. How? What is one thing that you do to start the day? What is that that morning ritual? How do you start the day? <clears throat> Jeez, I, I usually just like grab a sip of water and put on YouTube. I know that sounds really weird, but that is actually usually what I do. And now that I'm in this weird wrestling world, I'm putting on Wrestle Talk on YouTube and listening to what happened the night before, and then uh, going on with my day. Uh, yep. and then that's, you know, usually just like getting started or starting to take notes on stuff, but yeah, I'm pulling up new Japan world and I'm watching like what I missed from the day before or yeah. super early in the morning. Cause I am not up at Japanese time. So it's just you, not happening. No, no, no one, no one should be. I mean, I sometimes am, but we don't have to go there. Favorite beverage. Um, and I'll, I'll add a caveat to this alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Okay. Uh, if we're going alcoholic, um, if we're talking about like personal favorite, like things that I always have to have in the house, yeah. I am a very simple man. I really like Jägermeister. So I always have some of that in the house, but if we're talking about like something that's got a little price point to it, uh, Hakushu 12, I always have a bottle of that in the house too. Taking um, a note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hakushu 12 is great. Um, little salinity to it. Um, doesn't really have those big like Yamazaki, like full scotch situation to it. Yeah. So it's really nice. And I can just sip on that out of a bottle, which I don't recommend. But it's happened. If we're looking at uh, non-alcoholic uh, yeah. liquid death sparkling, that okay. is, uh, that is my jam. High alkaline yeah. sparkling water. Hold on. I have a bottle of the, uh, the Japanese joint downstairs. I got it for Christmas. Yeah. 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 Really does, but also like with Japanese whiskeys, most of them yeah. are fantastic. Like actually my true favorite is uh hibiki 17 but like that doesn't exist and i have one bottle that i have not opened so i'm just going to say that it still doesn't exist but i know i can get hakushi 12 randomly like twice a year so nice lastly um this is the the last thing that i have and i think this is more of a this is more of a gem for for folks or what have you and i think you touched on it earlier when you're talking about balance and specifically with mm-hmm. a daiquiri uh, what is another cocktail that comes to mind um regardless of location that you're like this is 
kind of how I judge this 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 place. And I know that's a little gauche, but I'm going to judge this this program, this bartender based on this particular drink or what have you. I, I judge bakers this way. Can you get a chocolate chip cookie right? I, that's what I kind of do. And so what is your the drink equivalent, uh, cocktail equivalent? Two drinks, two simple things. Uh, can you make me a daiquiri that's going to be balanced, right? Because that's yeah. just... Because you just like, I get a, I like a daiquiri if they tell me I don't have a blender then I already know what I'm getting into, um, <laughs> which doesn't happen a lot, but it does. It does. Uh, the other one is a Sazerac, right? Mm. Um, Sazerac classic cocktail has multiple different interpretations of what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And usually when I'm going to ask that, I'm like, just make it the way that you drink it. Like if you drink a Sazerac, I want it the way that you think that it's his best representation. Don't make me, you know, liquor.com's recipe. I don't need that. Difference. I don't need it. Right. And be, right. None of it. How do you want that drink? And then you can just see the balance in it. You can see if they took that care to like put something together or maybe did a split base with rye and cognac or brandy or something like that and have fun. So those are the two that I've always, I am very bad at judging people because I unfortunately don't have that great of a filter um, about certain things. So I usually drink beer at different cocktail bars in multiple different cities, not just this one itself mainly because then I don't have to tell you if your cocktail is balanced because <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it's, it's just like we, we would go, we would go um, in Nashville. One of our favorite places to go was the Fox. It's like a speakeasy in East Nashville. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah. We do a vegan charcuterie board. It's just beautiful. I know everyone there since I moved to that. My first moved to that city, it was great. Right. First bar I went to awesome. I can go have cocktails there. Yeah. I usually have one cocktail. And then I go to Tecate and Mezcal for the rest of the night. And Elisa, my partner, would make fun of me. It's like, why are you doing this? And I was like, I don't have to judge anything. I just know that every single time it's going to be cold and it's going to be in a glass. I'm good. Um, so, yeah. That's good, okay. And I'll, I'll probably be going to, to Nashville soon. So we'll be, we'll be talking about notes. I have a Definitely. trip. There's some, there's some really, really dope and dope spots. And depending on where you're going and like, even if you're going into the main, like Broadway, like, main touristy area there's some really cool like you know old school gems you're going to go to like you're going to go to roberts and you're going to go get a fried bologna sandwich from someone who made it like directly behind the bar top you know like awesome you know but then there's like really cool like you know going to dukes at like two o'clock in the morning and getting a tecate and a shot of uh four roses yellow label and being able to get a deli sandwich because that's what you need at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) after you've been out all night so like there's some really good spots well, there you have it. Um, I want to invite you to shamelessly plug anything that you want to plug. This has been great. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, I thought this was going to be 30 minutes. We're coming up on an hour. This is fantastic. But um, yeah, that's that's that, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not but, surprised. But, I'm ramble, but yeah, well, give me the, uh, so, give me the um, yeah. yeah, biggest thing. Um, so we are at 2600 North, um, uh, North Howard in Remington. Uh, JBGBs. We're doing a butcher shop every day from 10 to 6. We're a full animal butcher shop. So what that really means is we're getting so many animals in a week, uh, breaking them down and using every single part of it um, to be able to put out there. So either utilizing it for the restaurant, uh, utilizing it for the butcher shop, or even utilizing it as, you know, roasting some of the bones down to be able to sell them for dogs and stuff like that too. So we're really trying to um, be a hundred percent. Well, it's really hard to be hundred percent sustainable in something like that, but they're really trying to be as hundred percent as they can. And me as being, vegan and plant-based, I-, I can minorly get behind that at the same time, right? Because we know that they're not using anything wasteful and it's going to be very difficult for me to stop people from doing that. And my partner doesn't still eats meat. So I haven't been able to stop her in over 10 years. So anyway, uh, us at the bar, um, in the restaurant, um, right now we're just not open to Mondays and Tuesdays because those are the two busiest days for a butcher shop. That's when we're getting most of their animals in. So it's been a little bit difficult trying to prep for a full kitchen for a restaurant, for a restaurant, for dinner service lunch and also a butcher shop. So we've just been kind of allowing our staff to have two days off. So we are Wednesday to Saturday, uh, well, Wednesday to Thursday from uh, five to 10, Friday and Saturday from five to 11. And on the weekends, we open up a little bit earlier at four on Sunday and uh, close at nine. And we're just running a really cool program. We're just trying to make approachable pizza and cocktails and elevated food that we think the neighborhood's gonna be super pumped for, right? Um, you can follow the us at JBGB's Remington on social media, on Instagram, um, the bartender, uh, Baltimore bartenders guild. Uh, there's a lot of events in the city. Um, our last event was a uh, festival that we did for cystic fibrosis, where we donated our time to 
kind of put as much money into their pockets as they can. Um, we haven't made a decision yet. So hopefully when this comes out, we'll actually really have a decision on it. Um, if, and when, how we're going to do rise up again this year. So rise up is a, a ride competition for cystic fibrosis, hence rise up. Yes. Uh, where uh, proceeds go towards the cystic fibrosis foundation for in the city. We usually get a bunch of bartenders and even some restaurants together to donate their time and try to build a competition for that. Uh, last year we did it as a blind competition where we had to prep 110 individual bottles to be able to give out to all of our, um, all of our guests who purchased tickets that went all into the cystic fibrosis, which was really dope. And then the winner of that competition usually gets something really cool. There's usually a silent auction and stuff that we could do for donations. So hopefully um, we'll have that together for you guys soon. And the moment that I, let, I know, I'll let you know that too. Um, we haven't made a date. Usually it's the end of March, but because of all the other situations that we have going on, we might move it into more of the uh, warmer times so we can do it all outside and do something cool there. Uh, if I want to plug myself, my social media is uh, <laughs> Sean point one percenter, uh, which is a transformers reference um, that we don't have to get into. Um, <laughs> I just really wanted a really long uh, Instagram handle. So I went with the, almost the whole entire thing that I could do uh, on there. Um, if anyone wants to contact me about like cocktails and just like random questions, I'm, I'm usually trying to respond within the next day just to give people the answer. I am, I'm an open book on that. I'm not going to be like, Ooh, I'm not going to tell you how I made my mustard syrup. Like, no. Um, if you go to the talking Creek's website, you can see the full recipe on uh, <laughs> food that we do at the bar, uh, mainly because it's, it's going to be transparent, right? Yeah. If we try to keep things as, you know, too much internal and don't let the actual guests understand what's going on. I mean, you might not be able to make an example like me, which is perfectly fine, which is the reason why you're coming to me, but you can now understand how to make that and maybe make it yourself. Yeah. So I usually post uh, stuff about myself, my partner and weird stuff that I end up seeing and uh, try to promote cocktails as much as I possibly can. So um, I think that might be really it. I mean, I play games, but I'm not going to give out my gamer tag. I don't play with anybody online. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm way antisocial on that. Cause then, then my anxiety is going to like, man, I have to be here at four o'clock in the afternoon to go do this raid in world of Warcraft. Like it's the reason why I don't play world of Warcraft anymore. Cause like I, I can't be that guy. That's got to be on the schedule. I want to play borderlands two at three o'clock in the morning and not have to wait for a friend to get on to play with me. So this don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. So again, um, thank you. Thank you for, yeah, for totally, uh, the conversation and I'm going to do my sign off. So for the, the, the great, the great Sean Stewart, I am Rob Lee saying that there is food and booze and cocktails in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for them. <laughs>